0: Tonight's message is called, Dead with Christ, Dead with Christ. We'll be in Colossians chapter 2, let's read verses 16 to 23 for the context of the message. And we'll be in verses 20 to 22 tonight, we'll be doing three verses tonight. And they all these, these three verses tie right in so there's no way to really separate them. Um, I could have added in 23, but 23 has its own message within itself, so we'll do... We'll do that next week. Uh, Verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward and of voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshy mind. And now holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have a nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the use and after the commandments and doctrines of men. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. So last week we looked at the fact that the false teachers did not know Christ, as the scripture proclaims in verse 19. They weren't holding the head. I listened to an old preacher today um, from Scotland, and he was mentioning. And this was a preacher probably from the 40s or 50s an old and It was excellent. And he was talking about um, Colossians here. The thrust of Colossians being the headship of Christ. And uh, the federal headship. You've, you've heard me mention that. Adam was our federal head because we were in Adam. And then he talked about the headship of Christ. How we're in Christ. We were with him on the, in him uh, when he died upon the cross. And we rose again with him from the grave. So he said it talks about the headship of Christ, which basically is the same as saying the preeminence of Christ. So um, I think they've just modern modern language. They they made it the the preeminence. So because the head does get all the preeminence and everything. So, but I thought that was a neat thing to add tonight. The headship of Christ, because verse 19 definitely speaks of that. Because we know Christ is what the head of the church. He's the head of the body, and he's our federal head too. So and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands have ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. So we saw that the false teachers aren't holding the head. They don't know Christ. They have no idea who He is. Therefore, they teach the commandments and doctrines of men, which is mentioned in tonight's verse in 22. Um, So in holding the head, in holding the head in whom whom the the, the elect are, are... Christ is our head and we're, we're the body. In, in not holding the head, they don't have any union with Him. See, because, because He's the head and we're the body, we have an inseparable union with Christ. Just like our head has a union with our bodies. Same thing. We're one with Him. We're one with Him. We're the mystical body of Christ, we believers. So in not holding the head, they had no union with, with the head and, and they weren't part of the body. And, and only in Christ do we have salvation and forgiveness of our, of our sins. Only in the head. Only in the head does the body have that. It's in and through Christ alone. And this is what, this is what Paul has been driving home, isn't it? We've seen it in the first chapter too. The headship of Christ in, 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 uh, or the preeminence of Christ in creation and in all things. And now we've seen in chapter 2 the headship of Christ in the body, in the, in the church. He's the head of the body. So Paul's actually driving home, driving home this, this theme through the whole book, the headship of Christ, the supremacy of Christ, the preeminence of Christ, the all-sufficiency of Christ. And so he's combating error by continuously bringing Christ forth before the Colossian believers and, and showing them and telling them. By And remember, this is by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. So this is for our learning too. This is for our learning now. And, and, and by him penning this, he's, he's teaching us as well by the Holy Spirit that Christ is all we need. All we need. We don't need nothing else. Nothing else. So let's consider verses 20 and 22 tonight, 20 to 22, and pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us the things of Christ. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world... Why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using. All to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. So Paul here uses a figure of speech. Turn if you would to to Galatians chapter 2. Paul here uses a figure of speech that he's used elsewhere by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God Of the believer being dead in Christ. Dead in Christ. Turn to Galatians 2, verses 19 to 21. And we're all familiar with this, but I want to tie this in with Colossians 2.20. Again, Colossians 2.20, I'll read it. Wherefore, if ye be dead, so Paul's writing to the Colossian believers, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? Look at Galatians 2, verses 19 to 21. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For me. See, every believer looks at that verse and goes, For me. Christ gave himself for me. My think of that, beloved. Let us let us ponder that this week. The Son of God, God incarnated in the flesh, gave himself for me. Boy. That's something to think about. That's something to think about. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, so if a man is justified by the law, right? If a man's made righteous by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You see the importance, the importance of Christ's death. We're justified by Christ. Righteousness comes through Christ in Him alone, not by works of righteousness which I, we have done, right? But according to His mercy, He saved us. So again, let's go back to our text. Paul's once again hitting the false teachers with, with, with a, a similar amazing statement as he made in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. So this is a figure of speech that he uses often. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? So think on this, beloved. The false teachers were trying to yoke the Colossian believers. With what you can do and what you can't do. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Still happens today. Still happens today. And they were setting up standards. They were saying there's certain things that you can eat. Certain things you can taste not. Certain things you touch not. Certain things you handle not which are all the perish with the use, and not the commandments and doctrines of men. So they're trying to yoke yoke the Colossian believers under the Mosaic Law. And as Hendrickson said, they probably added things too, other things you couldn't eat, you couldn't drink. And I, as I was reading this today, one of the commentators said, that perhaps some of the believers had been carried away by it because the way Paul's the verbiage of Paul Paul's verbiage in these in the text tonight we have some of them may may have been carried away and and, and he's he's hoping that these words will recover them and bring them back into and and, and and show them by inspiration of the Holy Spirit the freedom and liberty that they have in Christ because because this is just going to yoke a believer is put them right back under bondage. Right back under bondage. See, this is why, as I say, we don't, we don't, we don't scamper away from error, right? We, 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 we identify it. We study the truth so we can identify the error. Right? So we know what's going on out there. We know what's being taught. We can say, no, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Because this book says so. This book says so. A thing came up about regeneration today. And uh, this week. And so I'm, I'm looking into the regeneration. Questions about regeneration. Well, we have a new nature. We're born again in the Holy Spirit of God. Scripture says you must be born again. That means we have a new nature. That's the end of that era. right? We have a new nature. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why is though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Look at verse 16 of the same chapter we're in. Let no man therefore judge you in meat. So obviously people were being judged by what they ate. Or in drink, and they were being judged by what they drank. Or in respect of an holy day, they being judged about what days they worshipped on or the new moon which is festivals and feast days or the sabbath days. So obviously someone was saying basically you can't be a Christian and do this and that and this and that and this and that. We we can see that from the scriptures from what Paul's writing. So he's combating this error head on. And and remember again this is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to having Paul write these these statements down. And to me, they're just death blows to the rules imposed by the false teachers. Look at verse 20. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? That's a death blow. (laughs) That's a death blow to people saying you can do this and you can't do that. Look at verse 21. Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. So, So here we just see the false teachers exposed for what they're teaching. They're being exposed. And Paul here uses the picture of how the Colossian believers and we who believe right now, who are studying this book, are dead in Christ to the to the law. We're dead to the law, beloved. We're dead to we're dead to these ordinances and these these certain and the rudiments of the world. And the ordinances that the Mosaic law were dead to those things. They've been fulfilled in Christ. Remember we saw that in one of our studies. They're but shadows pointing to the substance, which is Christ. Let's look again at our at our verses. Wherefore if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the which are all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Now think on this, beloved. We have a union with Christ. Again, he's our head. Just as when we were in Adam, we fell in Adam. He's our federal head. Right? We fell in him, dead in trespasses and sins. But in the second Adam, we died with him on Calvary's cross. And we are risen with him from the grave. Vincent comments on this portion, He's a Greek scholar, and he wrote this. He said, wherefore, if you be dead with Christ, that is in the aorist tense, indicating a definite event. It's indicating an event that occurred. A past event. You're dead with Christ. That's why Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Just like we fell in Adam. That's an event that actually occurred. We're dead in Christ. So the the believer's crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a fact. Paul's writing this. I'm crucified with Christ. There's no doubt. Same here. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ. Look at verse 14 in our text here too. In chapter 2. 13 and 14. And you, being what? Dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together, being born again, right? With him. Heaven forgiven you all trespasses. When? Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Our sins are imputed to him. We're dead with Christ. And think of this, if we're dead with Him, that means we rose with Him. <laughs> Praise God, eh? And that means that we're seated in the heavenly, It's just like Scripture says right now. So the Colossian believers and we who are trusting Christ are dead with Christ by, by virtue of a union with Him. By virtue of a union with Him. Again, He's the head and we're the body. John Gill makes this comment, the Colossian believers being one with him and considered in him as their head and representative, died in him. Just as we fell in Adam. And remember, Christ is the second Adam, isn't he? He's the second Adam. Gil goes on, And with him they were crucified with him, as they are said to be buried with him and risen with him. End quote. So Paul, after addressing the fact that we are dead with Christ, states in the beginning of the next chapter, look at Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2, with, it, with in mind what we're reading tonight. He states in the beginning of the next chapter that we're risen with Christ. Look at Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, right? Because remember, He's our head and representative and, and we're in Him, aren't we? Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He sits on the right hand of God. He's he's reigning right now, isn't he? So, So, when I get myself in a dither, I shared with Ann, I got myself in a dither yesterday. When I get myself worked up, I need to set my affections on Christ above, don't I? I need to look to Him, and you know what? You know what got me out of it all? Exactly what I preached to all of you. I shared this with Ann too. I said, "You know what got me out of it? I looked back at everything the Lord's delivered me from, and I had a peace that passes all understanding." Hey, honey, it just—it just—that's it just, what we got to do. That's what we got to do. That's what I have to do. I know that. (laughs) Oh, my. My, oh, my. So let's look at our text again. It says, and let's consider some things about this text. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not which are all to perish at with the use and after the commandments and doctors and men. So let us consider this. A dead man cannot taste. A dead man cannot touch. A dead man cannot handle things spoken of in our text. We're not under the ordinances, but we are dead to them. We're dead to the law. We're dead to the law. Think of this. Now in the church we have two ordinances, don't we? Two ordinances. And they are extremely important. And we hold firm to them. And we practice them. We practice them in the way that we see in Scripture, don't we? But note the difference between what the false teachers are saying that there's salvation or merit by the ordinances, okay, and what we believe. Baptism, we believe that baptism in no way can save you. No way. There's no saving efficacy in baptism at all, right? It's an outward confession of an inward conversion. And also the Lord's Supper. We believe the Lord's Supper has no saving power at all. No saving power. Now there's some out there who say it's a means of grace. The only means of grace is Christ. That's the only means of grace. That's where all grace comes from, is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. The Lord's Supper is us remembering what Christ has done for us. Turn, if you would, to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's remembering what Christ has done for us, what He's done on Calvary's cross. There's no, there's no means of grace in the Lord's Supper. The only grace we get comes through Christ. And look at how evident it is. Look at how evident. So we can identify when people say, oh, it's a means of grace, we can say, no, it's not. Why? Because we can go right to Scripture. That's our final authority, isn't it? If it's not in the book, we don't believe it. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians 11:23 to 26 In light of the Lord's Supper. For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, verse 24, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup, when he had sucked, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it. Look at this in remembrance of me. That's the second time you said this. Yes. There's no saving power in it. It's in remembrance. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye thee show the Lord's death till he come. See, false teachers will make, will, will make salvation in anything else but Christ. <laughs> or they add to Christ. No, there's no saving power only in Christ and Him alone. There's no saving power in any other thing. No matter how good it is, in light of, like, like baptism and the Lord's Supper, we do this, we do this in remembrance of what Christ has done for us, and then baptism, again, is an outward, outward confession of an inward conversion. So let's look at our text again. And keep in mind that the, the false teachers are trying to get them to do things trying to get them to do things. And they're saying that it gains them merit and favor with God. Or they're saying the angels are the mediators. And that's how you gain favor with God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? So the believer is dead with Christ from the rudiments. Vincent defines this word rudiments as elementary teachings and practices the particular sphere of which is the world so it's the world it's worldly teachings it's worldly teachings here we see, beloved we see beloved of god we see that the false teachers are teaching their teachings are of the world as paul pens the rudiments of the world and the world rejects christ doesn't it the world rejects christ alone it rejects Christ alone. Charlie, you and I were saved out of a church where they added, it's not just Christ, it's all kinds of other things. See, Christ alone is not sufficient for them. And there's, I'm telling you, there's bucket loads of religions out there that do the same thing. Church of Christ, they say you have to be baptized to be saved. Charismatics, some of them say you got to be, you got to be um, have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be saved. It's just, it's just crazy. They just keep adding things that you have to do. Praise God, my salvation is not dependent upon me at all. It's dependent upon what Christ has done. So Paul pens here the rudiments of the world. The world rejects Christ, so it must find religion elsewhere. And how does it? It does so in worship in angels. It does so in will worship, free willism. It does so in works that you do. And they worship, they worship, they worship the creation rather than the creator. And that's what they do. Some of them are subtly add things. Some of them are just outright, you can tell right away. And, and some, of them are, some of them are subtle. Some of them are subtle. The one thing that you can mark false teachers always do, they always teach salvation by your works. They always teach salvation by something you have to do. Something you have to do. Or something that you some some way that you can gain merit. Something. Not grace preachers. All the merit we have is in Christ. All the work was done by Christ. Salvations of the Lord, period. There's nothing to be added to. He cries, It's finished. That's the God of the universe crying, it's finished. That means it's done. That means there's nothing, nothing ever has to be added to it. And so these false teachers, they always teach salvation by your works or your merit, and it will lead, it will lead to their eternal doom, and their eternal destruction, and it will lead those who follow them to their eternal doom as well. Aren't you thankful, Lord, had mercy on you? Revealed the gospel to you? Oh my. Because left to myself, I'd be still going on what I was doing before. My goodness. So think on this, beloved, that the false, that which the false teachers at Colossae are promoting was and is the same error that's being promoted today. One of law, regulations, and works. Look at verse 21 and 22. and We can see that. Touch not, taste not. Handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. So let us consider, beloved of God, that if we died with Christ, then we're buried with him. And we rose with Christ. And if we've been quickened together with Christ, then we have a, a living union with him. A living union with him. Christ has redeemed us. How? with his own precious blood. And we are, and, and, and we are what? Complete in him. Complete in him. And then therefore, we're free from what? The rudiments of the world, aren't we? We're free from the rudiments of the world and we're not subject to the ordinances spoken of in our text. And we're not subject to the, the things spoken of in the following verses too. Again, wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances? So Paul pens this to the Colossian believers, letting them know, and letting us know too, beloved. Think of this. Letting us know that Christ has obtained eternal redemption for us. He did it. He gave himself for us, didn't he? For us. And we are dead. Think of this. We're dead to the rudiments of the world. We're dead to them. And and think of this. If we're dead in Christ, then we're no longer subject to ordinances. Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish after the years and, and the commandments and doctrines of men. Beloved of God, we have received a full pardon. There's nothing lacking. We've received a full pardon. A full pardon from from God. For what? For all our sins. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead for our justification. Again, to show that God, the Father, is satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ and God, our Father, has so perfectly justified us Because of Christ, that absolutely nothing can be laid to our charge. No charge, brother. And we know we're guilty sinners. No charge. Oh, that's that's music to the sinner's ears. (laughs) Oh my goodness. No charge. Who can bring any charge against God's elect? You see, they can't, can they? It's not because of anything we did. It's all because of what he did. A full pardon of all our sins. Why? Now, when a Jew died, when a Jew died, he was dead to the law of Moses, wasn't he? It didn't have any, it didn't have any grip on him. He's dead to the law of Moses. It had no more hold on him. So if we're dead, if we're dead with Christ, we've been delivered from the rudiments of the world. In, in being dead to them, and the, the law has no hold upon us, does it? You see? No. My. Again, John Gill comments this. If if we are dead with Christ, we are free. Free from what? Free from the rudiments of the world, the ordinances of, of a worldly san- sanctuary, the rites and ceremonies of the world, or state of the Jews in opposition to and distinction from the gospel dispensation or times of the Messiah. Beloved, we are free. Oh, my. Absolutely free in Christ. I'll tell you, that's good news to me. <laughs> that's good news. And let, let, let we who believe, let we who believe, on, let we who rest in Christ listen to what the Word of God says. We are dead to the law by the body of Christ, Romans 7. The word of God says we are dead. Dead to the law by the body of Christ. The law of Moses has no hold on a dead man. Why then, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all perish up to the, with the using. After the commandments and doctrines of men. Now, now, some say, well, you preach that and people are going to go crazy. No, they won't. <laughs> now, a mere professor may, but not God's sheep. The love of Christ constrains us now. We know we're sinners and we're living in this world, but beloved, this world's not our home. We no longer live after the course of this world. We seek a better country, don't we? We seek a better country. And we're not subject to ordinances. That is the weak and beggarly elements. The yoke of bondage. Turn if you would to Galatians chapter 4. The yoke of bondage. The law, the commandments contained in ordinances spoken of in Galatians again. Galatians chapter 4 verses 9 and 10. Boy, this, is, this is wonderful news for sinners. Wonderful news. Galatians 4, 9 and 10. But now, after that ye have known God. Look at this. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. <laughs> oh my. Paul straightens it out right there, doesn't he? How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, where until ye desire again to be in bondage, You observe days and months and times and years? Why? Why turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements? Why? I'm free in Christ. And in believers in Christ, we who are dead to the law and risen with Christ, we are not subject to the ordinances of men, the traditions of men, the commandments of men. Oh, don't do that. Don't do Touch. Don't touch that. Don't taste that. Oh, my God. I used to be one of them guys. I'm telling you, it's nice to be free. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. It's nice. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And see, they say, touch not, taste not, handle not. And they're all to perish, aren't they? Those things are all to perish. Perish with the using. And, And now this might have reference to the law that pronounced a man unclean if he touched a dead body or touched one who had leprosy. But it also applies to the commandments of men the commandments of men that condemn a man for what they do and what they don't do. You ever had anyone do that to you? You ever had had someone come and say, you can't do that. What happens when someone tells you you can't do something? You want to do it, don't you? That's human nature, isn't it? Beloved, we're free. That means the love of Christ constrains us. Oh my. Do you see how grace is it's so different than religion? It applies to the commandments of men when they condemn a man for what they do and what they don't do, such as dancing or going to a movie or or they have a list, they have a list of things. You can't do this and you can't do that. You can only eat certain things and you can only drink certain things. And they yoke they yoke other men. They yoke men into doing or not doing things to gain merit and favor with God. Oh, turn. How turn ye again to weak and vagary elements where unto ye desire again to be in bondage? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are are, are all all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Our text again says, which are all to perish with the using. This either refers to those who think they are obtaining favor with God by observing the law of Moses, or it has a reference to those things they were not to touch, taste, or handle, which are nothing but perishing things that have no eternal value. I remember being in that. It's horrible. Those who are trusting in themselves, either their works or the things they do, will die in their sins. beloved. they are perish in their own self-righteousness. Think of that. People who think they're doing well. Now, we want to live a moral life, don't we? We don't want to go crazy, but I know that 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 I can't gain any merit and favor with God by my doing. But I, the love of Christ constrains me; it does. I'm a sinner saved by grace, and I thank God that I'm saved by His that by His pure and free and sovereign grace alone, plus nothing. Look at the latter part of verse twenty-two. It says, "After the commandments and doctrines of men." It is true that the law of Moses came from God, but teaching that man is able to to keep the law and to obtain a righteousness that God will accept or that salvation comes to a sinner by keeping of those laws. Beloved, that's the doctrines of man. That's the doctrines of man. Now, now the Holy Spirit will never lead us contrary to the law of God, but He will show us our utter inability to fulfill the law. And here show us our desperate need for Christ. And here draw us lovingly. With with cords of love, he draws us. And, And what happens? Thy people should be made willing. And what happens? We run to Christ, don't we? And how does it all happen? By the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the free grace of God in Christ. In Acts 15, it said, except ye be circumcised, ye cannot be saved. Turn if you would to Acts 15. Look at verse 1. Certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. You see what they're saying? Now, the answer to that man by gospel preachers is found in verse 11. Ah, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. There ain't no mention of circumcision there, is there? No, but there's mention of the grace of God. And there's mention of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the only place. He is the only one where we find the grace of God is in Christ and Him alone it's only in Christ now that except you be circumcised you cannot be saved that that's a commandment from a self-righteous man that's that's a commandment and doctrine of man beloved right there right there before us and then there's the response but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they salvation's by grace alone plus nothing that's the answer that's So any doctrine of man that promotes righteousness and salvation by the deeds of the flesh, by something you do, is to be seen as the commandments and doctrines of man. That's what Paul's telling the Colossian believers here tonight. He's telling them. He's saying anything that you have to do, anything anyone's telling you, you have to do, that's the commandments and doctrines of man. And we're to turn away from that. Because we're complete in Christ. Christ. We're, complete. We're, we're saved by the pure, free, sovereign grace of God in Christ plus nothing. Let's look at what our Master said. Turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Let's see what our Master said about the commandments of man. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 13. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 13. Then, to, then came together unto Him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of His disciples eat bread with the, file, with the that is to say, unwashing hands, they found fault. They found fault. Oh my goodness, they saw His disciples eating with unwashing hands. For the Pharisees and all the Jews except they washed their hands oft. Eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. There's the word tradition. And when they came from the market, except they wash, they eat not, and many other things there be, which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. So you got all kinds of rules and regulations. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? Oh. They're upset because they're not following the rules, aren't they? Wow. Why not walk thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. Boy our Lord didn't mince any words, did he? As it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, right? They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They're not born again, beloved. They don't know who's standing before them. Howbeit in vain they do worship me. Teaching, look at this for for doctrines, the commandments of men. Let's go back to our text. Keep your finger, though, there in Mark. Keep your finger there in Mark. Let's go back to verse 22. Which are to perish with the using after the what? The commandments and doctrines of men. Okay. Back to Mark. We'll read verse 7 again. How abate in vain they do worship me, or do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God. Ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things ye do. See, they're thinking, they're thinking they're better than everyone else because they're doing all these traditions that the fathers have passed down, the commandments of men. And he said unto them, for a while you reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But we say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is korban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect, Through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such things, such like things ye do. But look at that. Making the word of God of none effect. How? Through your tradition, which ye have delivered. Let's go back to our text in Colossians. Do you see the correlation here? It's incredible. There's nothing new under the sun, beloved. Solomon wrote that. There ain't nothing new under the sun. See the enemy just wraps up error and puts it in a whole new a, new a new a new wardrobe and presents it to men, right? But there's nothing new under the sun. The, the, the truth will set us free, and, and we can we can spot error by the truth by studying the truth. Again, back to our text, which are all which are all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. So, so we see in that latter part they've made the word of God of none effect. Through the tradition and through the commandments. of man. And this is what the false teachers have done. Submission to these ordinances which these false teachers are promoting by a believer is not commanded by God. We are, we are to flee from that stuff. But these, these false teachers, they teach the commandments of men and and they teach that these traditions and these commandments are necessary for salvation. No. Remember what I said last week? What's our our response to to false teachers? I am complete in Christ. Praise God. Oh my. I'm complete in Him, beloved. In Titus, the word of God says this. Turn, if you would, to Titus 1.14. This will be the last scripture we look at. Titus one fourteen And again, I'll read our text again. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. In Titus one fourteen Scripture declares, the Word of God states this. Look at this. Not given heed to Jewish fables, And the commandments of men, what? That turn from the truth. And what did our Lord say? In Matthew, or in Mark I mean, making the word of God of none effect. There it is again in Titus. Teaching the commandments of men, turning people from the truth. So let us remember, beloved, if we died with Christ and we did by our union with Him, if we were buried and rose with Him, we have justification in and through Him because the Scriptures declare we do, then we have in Christ the pardon of all our sins. All. We have redemption by His precious blood and we have sanctification in Christ and all the ordinances, ceremonies, and types were fulfilled in Him. In Him. Therefore, we are free from the requirements which the false teachers in Colossus were promoting. And we are free from what the false teachers promote today. If you put your hope in yourself just a little. If you put your hope in yourself, just a little, you have no hope. And you will will never be able to. You will never be good enough to please God. Nothing Nothing we can do will ever be good enough to please God. Oh, but he's satisfied with Christ, isn't he? He's satisfied with Christ. There's no hope for sinners, but in the mercy of Jesus Christ and Him alone. He alone has fulfilled the law. He alone has paid what God demanded for sinners. He alone was raised to life on the third day. And we who believe, we do not trust in ourselves to maintain our salvation either, do we? No. No. As it is Christ who must keep us or we perish. He must save us and He must keep us. And the good news of the Gospel is what Christ has D-O-N-E for sinners. What He has done for sinners. That's the good news of the Gospel, beloved. What He has done. It is finished. Oh, that's good news. Good news. Someone asked me recently, how do you know you're saved? How do you know you're saved? I answered, my faith is in Christ and Him alone. It's in Christ and Him alone. It's not in myself at all. I am trusting in Christ alone. I told Him right now. I'm not looking back to something that I did. I'm trusting in Him right now. Right now. Is it so with you? Is it so with you? Then you can have insurance. If it's so with you, you can have assurance that your sins are forgiven in Christ. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that wonderful? It's not based upon me. Oh my. It's not based upon you if you trust them. It's based upon what he's done. And all, all my sins are forgiven. Oh. Think of this too. As long as one retains hope in their efforts or their morality or their works to save them, they'll be lost. They'll be lost. And they're currently lost. But in Christ, beloved, in Christ, we are redeemed from the curse, the covenant, and the condemnation of the law. We are redeemed. We are dead to sin. We are dead to self. We are dead to the law. We are dead to this world. Why? Because we are complete in Christ. In Him. In Him. Salvation is based entirely... Upon Christ. Entirely upon Christ. It is what He has done for us, not what we do for Him. It's what He has done for us. He's done that which we could never do for ourselves. Ain't that marvelous? Wonderful grace, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? Oh, my. Salvation is in Christ and Him alone and the believer says, Hallelujah. What a Savior. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before Thy throne with just such grateful hearts for Your salvation which You wrought for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. And oh Lord Jesus, oh the the fact that You died upon Calvary's cross to redeem us, to purchase us from all our sins and that we, we... Oh, my Lord. May we just think upon this. May we be mindful of what you've done for us. And we love you and praise you. And we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.